How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's been good, been good. Uh, I have a Costco membership now. No, you finally caved? We got one for Christmas, so we finally cashed it in. Oh my god, you, you sir, have officially become an adult. Congratulations. I mean, it is kind of neat. Like, I think the price of carrots was like half the price that we we're paying at Safeway. So that was pretty neat. I think the sack onions was cheaper too. The other stuff, it's like, I'm not sure how much cheaper it is. So it's like, I'll have to actually like be very careful on looking at the price to make sure that it's actually worth sort of thing. Yeah, it'll just depend on what item you buy there, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, it looks like, like soft drinks. I think it's definitely cheaper. Yeah, a lot of stuff like, yeah, I would say soft drinks are, unless you're going to like Walmart, yeah, I would say it's <laughs> it's pretty much worth it. And plus, you don't just get a case, you get like a flat. Yeah, well, the other thing I I did notice was, I don't, meat wasn't any cheaper. Yeah, but you know what, though, I'm going to say right now, I don't know if there's another place that beats Costco when it comes to meat products. Because we've been buying meat products for years at Costco, and I don't think we've had a bad steak or rack of ribs or whatever we've bought in there. Actually, like I was looking at ground, and ground was like the same price between there and Safeway. Yeah, I'll have to look at like their prices for ro- like roasts and ribs and stuff. Yeah, I do want to make one recommendation though. Yeah. Say the next time that you and Chelsea are looking at buying a mattress, buy one from Costco. I actually bought mine from Costco and I'm serious. Like it was one of the best purchases I've ever done. Like I've not had back pain since I bought that thing. I think Chelsea's parents bought one from Costco as well. And it was pretty comfy. Yeah. Shit. Not Costco mattress. Like just the Kirkland one or. I'm not sure if it's a Kirkland one. It's a name brand for sure. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, damn Kirkland mattress. That's powerful. Well, the one that I found incredible was uh, we we're at Costco uh, with Chelsea's parents and some guy behind me was just wheeling out a washer dryer combo. Powerful stuff, man. Powerful like stuff. in a freaking shopping cart, he's just a washer dryer. I'm like, OK, that that's where we are today. Kind of like man buying. Like, it's like something in a trailer park, boys. But it's like, here I am watching a man buy it washer dryer combo like it's apples you know yeah you know tim it's funny as much as i could sit here and honestly i can talk all day about going to costco it would only do the inevitable because we got to talk about today's cover athlete for today's episode season six episode 13 in chronological order episode 137 the dean mccammon edition of the third line plug sensecast so just a little background about Dean McCammon. He was drafted 22nd overall by the Chicago Blackhawks in 1991. He played parts of 17 seasons in the NHL with nine teams, Chicago, Edmonton, Philadelphia, Colorado, Calgary, St. Louis, Ottawa, New York Islanders, and the New Jersey Devils. And he would spend parts of three seasons in Ottawa recording 26 goals, 32 assists for 58 points in 193 games. So talking about Dean McCammon, I think the first thing that really caught my eye, I would have never guessed the guy would have played 17 seasons in the NHL. Yeah, especially when, like, one of the most common 
things that Ottawa Senators fans remember about Dean McCammon is the guy just getting absolutely destroyed by Chris Pronger. And but yeah, the who's pardon? that guy for Philly that killed him in the preseason the next year? Oh crap! Well, I think it was Couturier. Was it? No, I don't think Couturier was in the league yet. I no, think it was like uh... no, it was Steve Downey. Steve Downey, that's who it was. Yeah, it was an, another one of those like high touted Canada guys who kind of didn't go anywhere. Just destroyed Dean McCammon though. Yeah. But yeah, this is a guy who uh, he was secondary scoring, and uh, he was definitely brought in to kind of shore up something that was kind of missing a little bit from that uh, 0506 team. And he really picked it up in the playoffs for Ottawa in uh, 0708. Sorry, 0607. My bad. I know, man. You got to think about the one year that we were actually well. Two years, we were actually very good in the playoffs. But yeah, when I think of Dean McCammon, other side of him playing 17 seasons, I do agree with you. I think he was more of that depth scoring sort of guy. Yeah, I mean, go back. Yeah, I mean, when talking about Dean McCammon, the one thing that really comes to mind outside of him playing 17 seasons is that I do agree with you as he definitely was the depth scoring that Ottawa needed in those couple of years. Because when you look at the Sens roster, outside of the top six, there were some holes for sure that they were just trying to like, who do we really put in here? And definitely McCammon was definitely a pickup for that. Mike Comrie was definitely a pickup for that. They would instill some of the young guys like Antoine Vermette came into the lineup. So they tried and they did fairly successfully plug those holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially uh, like guys like, especially Dean McCammon, where you have a guy come in, scores five goals in the playoffs and Otherwise, just gives you well, just enough depth scoring to keep Ottawa in a pretty solid position throughout that 06-07 season. And yeah, like he is a guy who, he, even though being a depth piece, I think a lot of people do remember his time in Ottawa. Unlike, say, like Mike Com- well, Mike Comrie or uh, Peter Schaefer or someone like that. Yeah, Peter Schaefer, that's another guy I kind of forgot. I tend to often kind of forget that he played in Ottawa, though, because I remember him as a Canuck, and I kind of remember him as a senator, but... I think he was on that... I think he was on that team, too, the 06-07 team. He was. Yeah, and then they... Oleg Saprikin was an interest... Well, they picked him up, I think, at the trade deadline. Yeah, Oleg Saprikin, I remember him. Rata Patrick Swan. Eaves was on that team too. Patrick Eaves, Verrata. Yeah, there's another guy. Honestly, do you just want to sit here and talk about the 0607 send roster? Like, remember yeah. when this guy played in the team? Yes. I forgot that Peter Schaefer ended up having almost 50 points on the sends. Because he was with Mike Fisher and Antoine Verbet. This definitely goes back to that meme I saw that guys can just Guy, sit, yeah. guys sit around and mention sports names and they just have the best time. I mean, is it better than talking about the Costco mattress? Ooh. Yo. Close. I don't know. I think you're having an extended get, bedroom event. I don't know, man. Like, the older I get, the more I appreciate, like, Costco trips. Because I've definitely become that guy where I would see, like, a pair of pants and be like, that's a good price for a pair of pants. So as much as we can sit here and talk about Dean McCam and Tim, we're going to announce next week's cover athlete poll for season six, episode 14 in chronological order, episode 138. 
Now, we've got three names on this board, Tim. And I'm looking at it on Twitter right now. We have zero votes. Oh, no. We'll talk about a barn burner of a cover athlete poll. We have Jason Zent, Brian Smith, and Eric Condra. Oh, come on. Eric Condra's cool. People should go vote for Eric Condra. I know. But you know what? People apparently are not voting for Eric Condra. So that makes us sad. Yeah, go vote. Right? Please. Or we'll sit here, we'll mention more sports names and have a great time. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of threat that is, Tim, but. I, I think that's just what we do. Yeah. Isn't that just the description of uh, what we're doing right now every week for the last six years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what we do. We just get together for an hour, hour and a half every week. We mention old sports names and we have a great time. Sometimes we mention new sports names. Oh, my God. I know, right? Yeah, that's so amazing. But another thing that we've been doing for the last six years, Tim, is asking the question that our listeners love knowing. How has your week been going? I think we've al- we've already answered that pretty good. Yes, but outside of the Costco trip and the Costco card. Yeah, other than that, it's right? been pretty good. Yeah, I can't think of anything too much of that exciting that really happened other than that, other than just like, you yeah, no. About your Costco trip? No, I mean, just nothing. It nothing interesting really happened other than that. Yeah, you know what I also found too is like salty snack treats are also worth like getting at Costco because they come in the giant Costco size bags, and they're just oh. great. Like during COVID, like because Costco was still open, we would go to Costco and I would buy like a couple of bags of the munchy snack mix and Doritos and whatever. Yeah. And that would last me two weeks. Right. Oh yeah. Cause those bags are massive. Yeah. I mean, I could probably eat that in two sittings. No easy. No problem. But I mean, that'd be like 260 pounds. Oh yeah. No, that would be bad. We don't do that. I know. And especially because your weddings in the next couple of months and I got to slim down for that, man. Well, probably more holding than slimming, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, trying anyway. Trying to, trying to, you know, slim down in some weight. That'd be nice. Yeah, we don't want to drop any more weight. <laughs> we, we'd get into skilly man territory. You would look like Skeletor. Yeah. So we're not doing that. It'd be like, what was it in Family Guy where they met... Kate Moss, one of the models, and she just turns and she comes like a just a nothing there. <laughs> yep, and then she gets like taken by the wind. Yeah, oop, crack on the floor. Oh, breeze. <laughs> I don't have anything really report on my week outside of what we were talking about last week. So you might have mentioned last week on the uh, on the show. I mentioned that I was dealing with a rib injury. So this whole week, you know, it was bugging me, it was bugging me, it was bugging me. So I went to the walk-in clinic on Saturday and I had the doctor look at me because I'm thinking one of two things is going to happen. They're going to tell me I pulled a muscle or there's going to be something seriously wrong. Yeah. So I go in there and they put the stethoscope on me and he says, yeah, so basically your lungs are good. Your heart's good. Breathing's good. You have a pulled muscle in your chest which really sucks because it's like 
trying to cough hurts. I tried to sneeze last night. Mm. I got about, you know, when you have a hot, you get to that point, but it's not, wouldn't come out. Mm. I got to that and it felt like somebody stabbed me in the chest. Mm. Oh, it was bad. Oh my God. It was really, really bad. It hurt too. Like a son of a bitch. But I'm very happy to know that at least it's a, just a pulled muscle. It's nothing super serious. So I can't complain about that. Went to see my aunt and uncle actually yesterday because they're heading off to Mexico this week. So it's funny. My aunt was asking us, hey, what do you want us to bring you back from Mexico? And Katrina's like, well, something blue. That'd be nice. How about you, Taylor? I want a cool glass skull. <laughs> something blue. A something cool blue skull. and a cool glass skull. <laughs> Well, we were thinking about like a very high-end tequila, but at the end of the day, it's like, that's going to be expensive to get through the border. So we're like, nah, yeah, no, maybe maybe don't do that. Because it's more of a Day of the Dead sort of skull. It has like the really cool designs on it. I'm, I always was kind of fascinated by that. So we'll do, well, the man will do that. The other thing I want to comment here, it's something that you and I actually talked about I don't know, maybe a month or so ago off the air, the video uh-huh. game The Last of Us. Right. Was turning into an HBO series. So the first episode dropped last night. I didn't get a chance to watch it. I've had a number of people who have seen it. They said it's amazing. Like they said it's really, really good. I never played the game, so it was like me. Yeah, I I didn't play The Last of Us either. And I think for me, from what I understand, it's that. Like, it's a zombie apocalypse thing. Yeah, is play, Here's what all I, I've gotten out of it. It's like, if you've played the game, there's nothing about the show that will be new. Because essentially, they're just copying the storyline and everything from the first The Last of Us. Makes sense. And given that The Last of Us was one of the considered one of the best games of all time, it makes a lot of sense. According to who? Critics, I would imagine the critics really. Oh, okay, yeah, because they eat shit and they tell you it's great. I know, but then again, like it's a it's a story game with mediocre gameplay. Like it's just like what I've heard is the gameplay is a worse Uncharted with more sneaky bullshit. I think I've played part of it. I think I played it like a little bit once, and that's the the feeling I got was just like, yeah, it's Uncharted. Yeah, and it's a video game story, so it's not good. Like, no, straight up. I play video games, I like them. The stories are, with very few exceptions, mid. Boy, you're going to have some... Oh, I don't care. Yeah, no. People coming at you here, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's hear from you. What what games do you consider to have great, great storylines that aren't mid? (sighs) Tales of Vesperia. But even that's just kind of, it's it's anime writing. And there are, like, a 12-episode series is just going to do it better. Yeah, so uh, that's up your alley. Grand Theft Auto Five, But that's mostly because it's shitposting the story. Okay, you know what? I have to I have to say, story-wise, I really, really like Grand Theft Auto Five. It's nothing that we haven't seen. Like, if you see movies or TV shows, that's nothing no, that's it's but it's a dip, it's in video game form. It's kind of a new take to it. I think the thing that really pushed it over the top for me was Trevor. Oh yeah, you get adding, to play. Yeah. Adding Trevor to that was really because if you had just had Michael and Franklin, 
it's just like, oh yeah, it's just like it's either a rags to riches story or a guy who got out of his old life that gets back in it. And honestly, I'd rather if that's the thing, I'd rather watch the Blues Brothers. You know, this might shock you, Tim. I've never once watched the Blues Brothers. Oh, it's a good movie. Give it a go. But I yeah, let's that's, that's the thing is if the gameplay is like worse uncharted, I don't give two shits about your crappy zombie story that has ooh, moral dilemma. Because See, your moral dilemma isn't as interesting as you think anyways, it is. So. Pardon? I never got into the whole zombie thing anyway. No, so. I don't really care about it either. But it's like, yeah, no. And this might just be a taste thing. And I think it's also a bit of video game reviewers wanting to think they're doing more interesting stuff than they actually are. Story games suck. Unless, like, the story is, like, excellent. The gameplay, for me, it's, like, good gameplay. A story that's not bad enough to be distracting. That's it. Now, when you're talking story games, are you referring to, like, what Telltale used to do? The Telltale games, that's a waste of... I don't give a shit about those. Like, Like, Telltale, from what I gather, the main draw to The Last of Us is the story. So like a game where it's like the gameplay takes kind of a second seat to the story and they don't do a great job of integrating the gameplay in. I'm not there for that. Yeah, but it could also be what you get out of it, right? Some people might get sucked into the story and they might overlook gameplay. Where some people might not do it the other way, right? I guess, but if that's kind of where you are, you're more there for the story. Yeah. Read a book, you'll get more out of it. And it's funny you mentioned Grand Theft Auto Five because I feel that people felt that way about Grand Theft Auto Four was that they felt the story was really good, and I think it was really overrated. I thought I didn't like Grand Theft Auto Four back in the day. I haven't played it since, but in fairness, I didn't like Grand Theft Auto Three either. Maybe it's Liberty's. I think it's the setting. I think Liberty City. I don't like. You just don't like New York. I don't like the set. Well, you know what it is. It's so dark and colorless and just it's it's new york right at least with new york if you go to certain if you go to like central park and all that shit at least they get some color but yeah new york is just and new york could be a very cool game in the same way that yakuza made a very cool thing with japan but tokyo is tokyo is an inherently very vibrant very colorful yeah. city like new york has that vibrancy to it but like yeah no if you go away from the main drags in new york that is a very gray city i know but i think it's just the setting of liberty city i didn't like it was just so it's so unappealing to be in that setting i think that's why i liked vice city and san andreas and five over those just because i liked that it was a much more brighter colorful thing i think also if four had a better story and the gameplay wasn't terrible i probably could have got into it you don't like driving nico's girlfriend around calorite nope didn't care for it bro yeah no i remember chelsea and i played we tried playing four and then like like she couldn't get the car to go straight every time i tried to turn it would just like just kind of yeah, the gameplay was distractingly bad and the story was mid. So I know I might get some heat for this. 
you know what a, a game who people told me was so amazing and everything and i just thought it was good like i i think it's good pretty good is red dead redemption 2 i liked one actually you know what i lied i never finished one same i i just kind of got it, like it is just grand theft auto 4 on horses and i didn't find the writing as like the gameplay was actually fun enough. The story was just boring. Yeah, I I didn't mind the story of two. I thought the story was pretty good of two, but it was just. I think my big complaint I had with it was that it takes so fucking long to get from like point A to point B on horse. Like well, it's yeah, like... it's very cool when you see like the landscapes and everything, but it's different when you're playing Red Dead versus Grand Theft Auto because in GTA. You can take cars, you can take motorcycles, you can take helicopters, you can take planes, you can take jetpacks if you're playing San Andreas. Where is in Vice or in um, Red Dead, it's you're on a horse. Or if the, the one train line happens to go by, yeah, you can take the train. But it's like, I get what Red Dead was going for. It's like, it's trying to have like that frontier vibe to it. But it's like... What I found with Red Dead Redemption 1 is everything felt drawn out because you always had to take a base, then had to do a bunch of missions for... Like, again, it is a it is a Grand Theft Auto game. Where Actually, it's kind of weird because, like, GTA 5 felt a bit snappier because you didn't have to do all the bullshit missions for everyone else. You could just do the story missions. Mm -hmm. While Red Dead, it's like, I remember it felt like it was, like, you had to do a certain amount of the Strangers and Freaks missions to get the actual story to open up. It was like, and the Strangers and Freaks missions got really samey in that game. Yeah, whereas at least in Grand Theft Auto V, the, the Freaks levels were a, at least a bit different. Mm -hmm. But I also think that having the three main characters really helps Grand Theft Auto V. I think, and I wonder what the reception of that game would be if it just had one protagonist like just trevor if it was just trevor or just franklin or just michael I, you know what and this is just going to be my bias i don't think video game right or any writer really for that matter can write a character interesting enough to arc them properly over a game that lasts 40 to 60 hours like the average triple a game like, just think of how fucking insane that is. Like, that would be the entire runtime of Game of Thrones focused on one character. Also, there's another show I've never watched. But, like, think about, just think about, that's six seasons of a TV show on one guy. From his perspective and the writing teams aren't as strong as they are in hollywood like you're gonna give that project to the b team like i guess that's also kind of my critique of the trip the final thing i find frustrating about the triple a game is they're pouring so much money into these games that the only way they can get their return back is by charging higher prices and when you charge like 100 bucks for a game people are going to expect a shitload of play out of it yeah so for story games and single player games, you're getting into, oh, it has to be like a hundred hours long. And then I don't, I don't want to give a hundred hours to something. 
Yeah. It's I don't have a hundred hours to give to something, right? Yeah, it's like Red Dead Redemption 2. That was a 80, 90 hour game or whatever the hell it was. 100 hours. I think it took me a couple of years to beat it just because it was kind of a stop and start sort of thing with me. It was like, I'd play for a bit, get bored, put it down, come back to it, get bored, come back. It was just like, I found that the story didn't hold my attention that well, but I also think I get a bit frustrating because, again, go back to the horses. Mm-hmm. But so Tim, I actually want to move away from talking about video games and stuff like this because something that when we were recording last week's episode with Kevin Hianema, I know I'm sorry, Kevin, I know I just butchered your name, but Kevin Hiemana. There we go. Sorry, Kevin, I had to look at my notes just because I, I didn't have it in front of me. Sorry about that, buddy. So we did actually talk about something. And we thought, man, that'd be so cool if we could do an all-name team for hockey players. And we threw it up on Twitter. We were like, oh, that'd be cool if we can get some suggestions. Nobody offered suggestions. But when I was looking up certain old-school like hockey nicknames, there was some that just made me laugh. And it just thought, (laughs) I don't know if this is a hockey player or that sounds like a pro wrestler. And that sparked my idea. I actually want to play a game right now, Tim. It's not as fun as Storkers or Dork. We'll see. Up there. The game is called Wrestler or Hockey Player. So I have five names in front of me, and these are nicknames or actual old school hockey player names. I'm just going to name you. I'm going to give you the name, and you're going to tell me, is this a wrestler I'm talking about, or is this a hockey player? All right, let's do it. Okay. Kicking off, Killer Kowalski. Killer Kowalski. That seems too on the nose for wrestling, so I'm going to go with a hockey player. That was a wrestler. Okay. Okay. Ready for the second one? Yep. Dit Clapper. What? Kid Clapper? Dit. Dit Clapper. That might just be a player name. That is a hockey player. Well done. Alaskan Assassin. Let's go with the wrestler. That's a wrestler. Edmonton Express. I think that's a whole team. Nope. So that's just one player? Yep. Okay. It's a hockey player. That nickname, Eddie Shore. Oh, okay. Former legendary Boston Bruin. And actually, Dick Clapper, another former Boston Bruin, too. Nice. Now, the fifth name, Cyclone Taylor. I think that's also a hockey player. That is also a hockey player. I believe that's an old-school Ottawa Senator, too, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And you know what's funny? I was reading some of the nicknames, and it just made me laugh, because especially ones of like the 1940s and 50s and 60s, where it was all the territorial territory wrestlers where some of them had some of the best nicknames. Oh, so good. Oh, that was a fun game, Tim. Honestly, we'll have to try and play that. Yeah. And four to five, not bad. Four to five is not bad. You know, what's also not bad, Tim. Mm -hmm. Is this segue into this little segment? I like to call top of the hour. That's not bad. I'm tooting my home horn. I mean, it was we it like was it right there. It was kind of obvious, but you know, it's not too bad. 
So we're going to kick off top of the hour, Tim, by giving a congratulations to Los Angeles Kings captain Anze Kopitar, who recorded his 11th 100th career point during the team's game versus the Edmonton Oilers. Kopitar have recorded 11 goals, 22 assists for 33 points in 44 games for Los Angeles at the time of the story. I feel like we do touch on uh, Kopitar a lot, especially with uh, kind of the eye to he kind of gets lost in the shuffle just because he's playing out in the city angels there. He really does. And when I think of Anze Kopitar, I think he reminds me a lot of Ryan Getzlaff was that you think of one of the top, top tier centermen's of our generation that really gets lost in the shuffle just because he's on the West coast. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not sure that thing totally holds because that Anze Kopitar did win two Stanley cups knocked off. What, Seem to be the odds favorite uh, Vancouver Canucks in 2011-2012 handily. And the only real thing that I think has kind of led him a bit back to obscurity is those few, those two, three years where the Kings were bad. Mostly because Drew Doughty fell off a cliff. Yeah, but he seemingly kind of sort of found his game, though. But I, I'm really liking how the LA Kings are building their team right now. You got to give Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille credit for that. But even some of the pickups they made in the offseason, going after Victor Arvidsson was a good one. The Philip Deneau signing we praised. They seem to be very, very patient with their young core even as well, right? You have, I'm trying to think there's that. Oh my God, I'm trying to, I can think of his name right now. Number 34. He's the young Russian kid that plays for them. Oh, uh, Arthur Kaliev. Kurt Kellyev, thank you. Arthur Kellyev and some of those other young kids they have in the lineup. It's like they've been patient and they, they've been producing for LA. Yeah. And like Kellyev's such an interesting player because Ottawa did pass on Kellyev to pick up Shane Pinto, which honestly, I'm neither here or there on that one. It's an apples and oranges thing, right? Yeah. Now. Who would you have rather wanted? But like the fact that Kellyev fell as far as like, People thought Kaliev was going to go in the top 10 and then somehow he fell to the second round. Yeah. But There's 32 other teams kicking themselves on that one. You know what, though? And it goes even goes back to Anze Kopitar because Kopitar was considered the best center in the 05 draft, not named Sidney Crosby. And he went 11th overall. Yeah. Although, like, Kopitar himself didn't fall in the second round, but no, like, L.A., yeah, there's definitely shielding of younger guys there, but they've built this really age integrated team where you kind of have your you have uh, your veterans like Kopitar and Iafala, but then you have uh, some younger guy. You have a lot of kind of mid old, not quite as old veterans like you have Philip Deneau, uh, Victor Arvidsson, Andre Andre Kempe. And then, yeah, you have a lot of young guys like Villar, like uh, Kaliev. And then they brought in uh, Kevin Fiala to really uh, boost that line, too. Yeah, the only one that seemingly hasn't hit yet is Quentin Byfield, but that's more of an injury thing with him. Yeah. You can't really fault him on that. So, No, and he's, like, Byfield's finally starting to get some reps, which is nice. Yeah, and I mean especially in comparison to Lafreniere, who's just stalled completely in New York. It's yeah. Nice at least LA is trying to be patient with him and be like, okay, look, I know you had some injuries and we're not going to rush you. 
Yeah, and I think like LA is going to probably develop most of the talent that they properly identify just with that very patient approach that they have. And it I think leaders like Kopitar are definitely the part of the driving force of that, where they can continue to take that heavy load on the ice, but they also provide an on-ice example of this is where you need to go very well. So we've got a lone signing to talk about this week, Tim. Boston Bruins have re-signed forward Pavel Zaka to a four-year, $19 million contract with an AAV 4.75. Zaka have recorded five goals, 30 assists for 35 points in 42 games for Boston at the time of the signing. A lot of people are saying this is a bit of a rich signing. And I don't know. Like Pavel Zaka... He's probably going to be playing depth minutes in Boston. I don't see him as a top six guy. So I'm a little surprised at four million. Like the finishing isn't great. The play driving is there for what you would expect, like a two, three tweener to be. The setting is like setting up goals. Playmaking is okay. And the defense is good enough. I see him as a third liner more than a second liner. So for that price tag, that seems like an overpay to me. A little bit, especially for what his projection is in Boston. But even for how old that core is getting right now, if they have a David Krejci possibly moving on after this season, unless he's re-signed, if I'm not mistaken. I don't you, think he is, no. Yeah, so if you have one or two of those guys that maybe moved on or whatever, maybe that's Boston saying that, okay, this is our safety net right here. Right, but I think... I don't know. I I don't unless he somehow start he somehow really starts to produce it produce a lot more and twenty five going on twenty six probably not happening. I think what Pavel Pavel Zaka has shown us is what Pavel Zaka is, and for that I think five million is a bit rich. That's true. So we're going to close off top of the hour by talking about a couple of suspensions. Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman Mikhail Sergachev had been fined $5,000, the maximum level under the CBA, for roughing Vancouver Canucks forward Connor Garland. Sorry, I didn't mean suspension. I mean facts. Yeah. How is this not a suspension, though? I'm surprised he didn't get a game, at least for this. Because that, that was a sucker punch. Yeah, especially because the play was dead. Yeah. No, I don't know how that's not a suspension. And, well, of course, you have all the Leafs fans like, well, why did Austin Matthews get suspended? I'm like, yeah. This this was a miss by uh, the Department of Player Safety. Yeah, it totally was. It, it totally was. I mean, I feel he should have got suspended at least a game for that. That would have been fair. Now we're going to move on and talk about the second find of the night. Arizona Coyotes forward Clayton Keller has also been fined $5,000, the maximum allowable under the CBA, for cross-checking Ottawa Senator defenseman Eric Randstrom. This was another one, but that's just a stupid play that he made in that game. That, it's it's lucky Brandstrom wasn't hurt on that play. I, I thought he got it right in the throat. I was yeah. like, holy shit, dude. That probably also should be a suspension. Like full speed, stick up high to the back into the boards. Like that's an injury yeah. play. It's well, an injury was, play. Branstrom has faced him in front of the goalie. He just turned around and crossed. Yeah. Him. 
throat. It's like, dude, I understand like you were getting your ass handed to you by Ottawa, but you got to keep your emotions in check too. Yeah. That probably also should have been a suspendable play, but here we are. Yep. Well, Tim, that closes off top of the hour, which can mean only one thing. So we're trying to talk about some games. Now we got three games on the schedule. We've got the Predators versus the Senators, Sens versus the Coyotes, which is what this fine was from. And unfortunately, the Sens versus the Avalanche. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Preds versus the Senators. This is a three to nothing Predators shutout victory. Preds goes to scored by Roman Yossi. Jeremy Lawson, and Philip Forsberg. Shots for 38-36 for Ottawa. Roman Yossi opens the scoring to make it 1-0 Nashville. Jeremy Lawson scores to make it 2-0, and Philip Forsberg scores to make it 3-0 Nashville, which would be the final. So we so I condensed this version just because we are recording with Kevin Hemena last week. Great guy. I was really super happy to have him on the show. Yet again, this is another game where UC Saros killed us. Yeah, because it was like, it wasn't even like Ottawa played bad. They probably should have scored three goals, probably about three or some goals. And Ottawa had some beautiful chances in and around the net. But yeah, UC Saros had a game. Yeah, he really did. He really did. Now, is there anybody on the Sens that you want to specifically talk about, Tim, given that nobody scored? Uh it's sad because it was like it was a very good game from like the Shabbat Zoo pairing. The top line played pretty well, all things considered. And there wasn't anyone who really seemed too bad, but it was like I guess even the goal like Talbot put up a pretty decent point nine two as well. So it was like, well, it's a game where Ottawa played hard. You probably wanted uh Brady or Stutzla not to miss from like right up tight multiple times, but and then getting a goal called back also didn't help. Like I ever see like national scores opens the scoring and then Brady Kachuk goes, does captain things. And then you go back is like, oh yeah, that's a mile offside. Just frustrating. Just like the time that Matthew Shane was a mile offside. Yeah. Did we did we just inherit the Duchesne curse? Maybe. I remember Danny Briere did that when he was a Philly one year. Like he was like easy seven, eight feet offside in the playoffs. He got the puck and he scored. It's incredible. It really is incredible. So Tim, do you want to head off into the second game of the evening? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Sens versus Coyotes. This is a 5-3 Senators victory. Sens goes scored by Brady Chuck, Derek Broussard, Alex DeBrinkett, Mark Kasselik, and Artem Zub with the empty netter. Coyotes goes scored by Dylan Gunther, Lawson Krause, and Barrett Hayden. Shots were 47-29 for Ottawa. Before we get into this game, Tim, this was the first Ottawa Senators game being played at Mullet Arena. I think we need to talk a little bit about this. Like, what do you need to think about it? it? To me, when I see the camera angles in that arena, it just looks like a high production version 
of those old hometown hockey games. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, you also don't really notice how small the arena is from the camera angles. It's and true. I guess they're deribit, deribly, deliberately chosen to do that. That's some Charles Barkley fucking English right there. Yeah, <laughs> deribly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you don't really notice how small it is from watching it on TV. It is yeah. true. There were certain like angle shots that they were doing. You can kind of tell a little bit. Like it was a smaller arena for sure. But outside of that, let's talk a little bit about the game. I mean, I watched the first two periods of this game and I just turned it off because it was just such an ugly game to watch. It was one of those games where like Sens get the puck, they skate it in, Coyotes take it, they dump it. Ottawa gets the puck back, they skate in, dump out. It's just like, oh my good lord. It was also weird because it's like the Ottawa Senators got about 50 shots because it was basically just like Ottawa skate. Yeah, skates it in, gets a few good looks. Coyotes don't do anything. It was it was a like a dominant performance by Ottawa. But man. Is that Coyotes team bored? Like. Yeah, A, it's a boring team and B. Despite Ottawa scoring five goals. Vimelka made that look like a game. You know what it reminded me of when the Sens were first in our rebuild and we had all those bad players and that's how we used to play? Yeah. In the pocket, we just chep it out. Yeah. And the only time we were really ever scoring was if we somehow happened to get on a rush. Yeah. That, was a that weird... really was that game in a nutshell, eh? It really was. It really was. And it was very fitting because they played Ottawa too. I do want to comment on those Coyotes reverse retros because those are those are definitely a choice. I like them. They're so fun. See, I was more in tune when they did that version of the jersey, but in purple. Yeah, the purples do look good. But no, I, I like more regional variation in the jerseys. So that's why I like things like I like the Phoenix sorry like the redos of the kachina jerseys i liked the <laughs> that very south florida reverse retro oh i love those oh the baby blues so yeah i have nothing bad to say about that jersey i mean i've seen them in person they are just oh, they're something i'll tell you so let's talk about a couple of players here tim brady to chuck one goal on five shots i do think it's very fitting that he got on the board first given that He's from Arizona. No, sorry, he's not from Arizona. He's from St. Louis. Yes. But his, if I remember correctly, his dad did spend some time down there. Yeah, he was the captain of the Coyotes. And that's something, some, I, if I'm not mistaken, like somebody on the telecast said that too. Just all oh, the hometown kids scored, and I didn't pick up on that until I thought about it later. And I was like, Brady's from St. Louis. He's not from Arizona. Yeah, I guess he probably spent enough time, enough time down Maybe he didn't. I always forget how Keith Kachuk Keith Kachuk's arc career arced. Yeah. Like, uh, I think when was he... it St. Louis? Was it Arizona then St. Louis or you? Know I have the internet. It was Arizona and then St. Louis. Yeah, it was like Winnipeg, Arizona, St. Louis. Played in Atlanta too. Let's see. Arizona. 
you know what? Brady Kachuk may have, like, the only time he was probably ever in Phoenix was when he was a baby. 99, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, he was born in Phoenix, but, like, grew up in St. Louis. It's his brother Matthew that was born in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. If at all. Because how old's Brady Kachuk? 23. Sorry, he'd been drafted in 2018. So 18 plus 5, 23. No. No, never mind. Sorry. No, uh, Brady is from Scottsdale. He's from Arizona. Fuck, I thought he was born in St. Louis. Hmm. Okay. Okay, yeah, he spent like a year there. Yeah, I'm just talking out of my ass here. Jeez. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, you know what's funny is that I do vaguely remember Keith the Chuck as a thrasher. That's one of the very few times that someone gets traded as a rental and then comes back. There he is. Yeah. I know, right? Remember the one year that Atlanta went to the playoffs? Remember how, like, actually sick that team actually was? Yeah, and then they just get dummied by New... Was it New York? Yeah, yeah they lost to the... Ra- they got they, dummied they, by the Rangers. They got swept by the Rangers. Who then went on to the next round and got their ass handed to them by Buffalo. But then again, like, to be perfectly fair... To be fair... Yermir Yager was on fucking fire that year. It was his 100-point season. And Shanahan was on that team, too. Yeah, as well as uh, Michael Nylander, Martin Straka, a young Matt Cullen. Sean Avery. Sean Avery, yeah. And Lundquist. Actually, it's just such a weird team. Oh, and Kevin... They had Weeksy. Kevin Weeks. Reporting a trade from my bathroom. Can I just say how unreliable Kevin Weeks seems to be with his trades? Oh, keeping an eye out. Ottawa's going to be talking about Tabrinkat about a contract in like September. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get, they're getting close. It's like, what? No, no, I'm just here for when Weeksy breaks stuff. Because yeah. that's just so much fun. I know. Low-key, I actually considered, because he's on Cameo or one of those kind of websites, I considered paying for him to announce our sixth season. That would have been really funny. But to, if he had a sense connection, that would have been better, but like that's still pretty funny. See, I hear the boy, I hear Third Line Plug Sensecast is in session for season six. <laughs> this is Kevin Weeks from my bathroom. Kevin Weeks from my car. <laughs> so the two other guys I want to talk about here, Derek Brizard and Alex Debrinkit. Now, they both had a goal. Brizard had it at four shots. Debrinkit had five. I really like the fact that the goals here were not pretty. They just got him in front, getting dirty, and I counted. Well, after games like the Seattle game, where just absolutely anything could get that went to the net would go in and then followed up by UC Soros playing impeccably. Yeah, players are motivated to do stuff like that. And that's kind of what they need to do. And it was good to see it. It really was. It really, really was. I can't complain about it, man. We can complain about this next game, though. Yep. Sens versus Avalanche. This is a 7 nothing Avalanche victory. 
That's all we got to say. Just the yeah. quote. Like, that's the rough thing, too, is it's if it wasn't for uh, Forsberg just throwing out an absolute dud of a game, like, we're talking NLL level goaltending. Because Ottawa didn't even play that bad. That night really was like the double heartbreak because the Seahawks were playing before them and they, like they were winning at halftime and then they got blown out in the second half. Is it as funny as the Chargers charging? I'm so glad I picked Jacksonville in my pickums for that week. Why would you pick Jacksonville? Because of oh, the Chargers. Chargers charging, you're right. Yeah, but it's Jacksonville. Well, what about the Vikings? The Vikings shit the bed against the Giants. And I picked the Giants too to win. Oh god. The only game what the, church the only league? loss I have is on the Seahawks because I picked Seattle over San Francisco. You should have seen that one coming. I know, but I kind of wanted to believe. Although, like seven out of eight on your pickums is pretty good. Yeah, I think right now I'm four and one. I think I'm just waiting on the Cowboys Brady game right now. No, I also picked uh, the Bengals. The Bengals over the Ravens. The only one I haven't seen was Dallas and the Bucks. Uh, and it's currently twelve nothing Dallas over Tampa Bay. Oh yeah, the, thank the, God I picked Dallas. The stick a fork in the bot. Like Tom Brady's done. Like I'm a Tom Brady guy. He's done. <laughs> Yeah. He lost his marriage. He lost his family only to go one game below 500. <laughs> Although, apparently, and I did not know this, if Brady actually wins this game today, he himself will have more wins in the playoffs than the Dallas Cowboys in their history. The Dallas you Cowboys know? have 35 wins, and this is among every big-name quarterback they have from Aikman to Romo to Staubach. Let's not like I love Tony Romo. He did fucking all during the playoffs. Let's be real. Yeah, when but he, like when he Troy Aikman, up, yeah. When he messed up the field goal against Seattle, that should have been red flag right there that he was not going to be clutch in the playoffs. No. But yeah, oh, I didn't realize how bad the fight this game was because out. Uh, yeah, one of the church ladies went down to Minneapolis to watch the game. Oh no! What did she? You gotta ask her how that stadium is because apparently it's all glass or something. Oh, MetLife. Yeah, apparently it's oh, a very nice MetLife, stadium. Uh, where the Vikings are? Why do I think they? Why the? I think the Vikings play at MetLife. No, the Giants play at, play at MetLife. No, they're not. They're not Nokia. Where the hell are they? I'll look it up later, but whatever. Yeah, no, that's that's something. Yeah. So you know what, Tim? I'm going to be honest with you. I have absolutely zero notes on this game, man. All I have is stop. He's already dead. Yeah. So do you have any more comments you want to make on these games before we head off into the close for another evening? No, I think I'm good. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play, as well as on Twitter and Instagram at Third Line Plug. You can find me at both at Great White Gipster 
And you can find Tim on Twitter at M91HoneyBadger. So, Tim, for this coming week, it's been... Oh, see, and I owe everybody a beer now because my phone just went off. Hmm. So, we should do a tally how many beers I own, but... <laughs> so, for this coming week, Tim, I know this has been a shorter episode, and we much appreciate it. I know it hasn't been much that we can really talk about. Short top of the hour, short games... But that's okay, because next week, we've got four games on the schedule. We've got this evening's game versus the St. Louis Blues in St. Louis. Wednesday, we are at home to play the Pittsburgh Penguins. Friday, we fly down to Pittsburgh to play the Penguins. And Saturday, country night in Ottawa against Winnipeg. Country night in Ottawa against Winnipeg. Is that a sentence you just dropped on me? Yes. Why didn't they do it when they played Nashville? I think that would be too obvious. If I'm being honest, I think that'd be a little too obvious. Yeah. Cliches become cliches because they work. Yeah, but they were doing WWE night and they were against whoever the fuck they were playing. Yeah, but WWE doesn't have as obvious of a regional connection as the capital of country. Oh, you just wait until the Saudis buy the WWE. Nah, who am I kidding? It's going to be Tony Khan. Yeah, that's true. That's amazing that the fact that All Elite Wrestling is going to be the one going to be one of the lead bids to buy WWE out. I didn't realize the McMahons were doing so bad. It's not. I think it's just they were. I think Vince was ready to sell off, but you know oh, what? That's, fair. that's the only reason he came back. Oh, to sell it? Just sell it, yeah. And apparently because of the whole thing with the Saudi Arabians, because they they do Crown Jewel over there, they want to do more in Saudi Arabia. But also there's just so much oil money in Saudi Arabia that they could buy WWE like nothing. That's true, yeah. I mean, they already have Live Golf. Why not WWE? Well, isn't Live Golf like running into quite a bit of resistance from people who don't want to pay play for Saudi money or hold it to the same esteem as the LGPA. Yeah, but that's like the WWE. Apparently, if the Saudi Arabians buy WWE, one, there's going to be a few roster changes. Uh, One of the big names, he's Canadian, Sami Zayn. I think he's Israeli or something. And when they did Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia, he refused to go. Which was more of a thing. Which is like, he refused, but also they wouldn't have let him go. They wouldn't let him do it, yeah. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go see Woo!